Glory to God. We serve an amazing, amazing God. First Peter chapter three, and we will begin reading in verse one. And you got to say so. This is what the word of the Lord says. It says, wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives. When they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear, do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel, Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, today we are grateful, as always, Lord God, for the opportunity that we have to lift worship unto you, to sing songs of adoration and thanksgiving unto you. We thank you because you remind us of how great you are. You remind us of your mercy. You remind us of your loving kindness toward us. And Lord, we are grateful today for your word that is inspired, my God. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that Even as we touch on a topic that is touchy, Heavenly Father, and that is unpopular in our day and age, God, I pray that your spirit would penetrate our hearts, that you would get past every mindset that would try to hinder us from obeying what your scriptures teach. I pray specifically for the women in this place. Heavenly Father, you know their hearts and their desire to serve you and obey you, my God. And as much as they desire to do those things, you see those obstacles and those things that would hinder them from heeding what your word is communicating. And I pray that today, Lord God, that you would disarm every power and every work of the enemy to hinder their minds or their hearts from fully receiving what you would want to communicate today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, because we know that anything that you command us is for our good and for your glory. And so, God, we surrender our hearts before you today, and I pray that not only the women, but also the men in this place, Lord God, not only the married, but the single in this place, Lord God, that they would have ears to hear what your spirit is saying under your church. And I give you thanks, Lord God. In in Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. And so today, I would like to preface this with um, next week, I'll be speaking to the husbands. Amen? Glory to God. So I, I know the wives, you're going to take it in stride. Glory to God. And you're going to hear what God has to say. And you're going to be encouraged in, in exalting the Lord. And next week, you'll be able to nudge your husband throughout the whole service. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. No, you won't because after you hear the message this week, you'll be like, all right, I'm not going to nudge. Glory to God. But I don't just want, I, I, want, I want to say this because this is not solely for the wives. This is for wives-to-be. Hello, somebody. This is also for young men looking for a wife. Hello. 
See, when, when, when we look at the scriptures, automatically we, we pawn it off and we want to say, okay, you know what I need to do? I need to go on ahead and just, you know, just listen to what's speaking directly to me. And so this is speaking to wives. Therefore, I'm a man. I don't need to listen to what the word of God is going to communicate. That is not true. Please don't disengage. Or you may say, I'm not married, so this really doesn't apply to me. And I say to you the same thing. Don't disengage because you need to know what it is that God expects of you as a single woman. If you plan to be married, you need to know what is the characteristics that you should be striving toward in Christ and if you are a young man or you know older man whatever the case may be and you are looking for that significant other it is imperative that you are looking for the right things hello somebody because we can get caught up in the superficial and we can get caught up on all, all, all kind of other stuff. You know, I've heard people communicate things such as, you know, I'm going to make a list of things that I want in my spouse. And I'm going to tell you something. Most of those folks that are writing those lists, there is a minute emphasis placed on them being godly. It's about she got to look like this, have this, have that, all of this and that and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and they go through the whole list of all of this other stuff. And yeah, and she needs to be a Christian. She needs to be a Christian. And I, that's, listen, that should be the top of your list that she would be a Christian because especially if you're a Christian. Now, if you're not a Christian, then, you know, that's not going to be a priority for you. But what I do want us to do is I want us to hear what the Spirit of God is communicating to the church. God began dealing in, 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 in chapter 2. He began communicating through the Apostle Peter about the need for us to submit unto governmental authority. And then he goes from the place of submission to governmental authority to then submission in the social realm and so he begins to communicate to masters and slave relationship or the way that we applied it to our lives is not solely master and slave, but is employer, employee or volunteer and leader. And so we understood that God begins to communicate things on a social level. Well, in chapter two, he continues on with the way that things should be. But now he's going to enter into the realm of the home and he's also going to bring us into the realm of the church. And so today we begin to deal with the, the, the home and the first person whom God addressed is the wife he communicates to the wife and here is the reality the reality is is that just as submission is to, to government and to masters or bosses or leaders is required by the Lord for his glory and missional reasons so is submission within the family and so understand this, that God communicated, and, and we dealt with this, that there is a missional purpose behind you and I walking in submission. When we walk in submission to government, when we walk in submission in an employee-employer relationship or in a volunteer position and relationships like that, there is something that happens. God is glorified. God is exalted for those leaders that don't believe in Jesus or for those leaders who declare Jesus and yet their life does not align with that declaration. Your submission and you walking in alignment with that brings a revelation of Jesus that they desperately need and it opens the door for the gospel. When you walk in rebellion and you do not align yourself to the authority that is directly found in scripture and to the mandates that are directly communicated through scripture, when we do not align ourselves with that, issues arise and we close the door on the gospel and make it more difficult for us to be able to be on mission like God has called us to be. Can I get an amen? And so one of the saddest realities in our day, submission is just an unpopular topic all the way around. But you want to take it to another level of unpopularity, that would be taking it to the realm of wives need to submit to their husbands. Hello. 
This is not a comfortable topic because we have so many situations that are messed up. And one of the saddest realities we must combat as a church in establishing order in our homes and responding in obedience to the Lord is the abuses and mistreatments of women, especially within marriage, that history reminds us of. One of the greatest reasons why this is so difficult in some of your marriages, you don't have to go very far in history. You just got to look back a couple of years or a couple of months and you have situations that are horrible and you're like, Bishop, you got to be crazy telling me I need to submit to my husband. I know, don't say amen because we don't want to embarrass nobody. Glory to God. But here is the reality. Some of our situations are like that. Some of us, we have to look back one generation and we saw the way that our dads treated our mothers and we saw that relationship. We were like, man, that I'm, I'm, I refuse to be in a situation like that. Some of us had good homes, good families. Father was good, gracious, and everything. Demonstrated the love of Christ. And maybe he wasn't even a Christian, but he wasn't hardcore. He wasn't a jerk and he wasn't a chauvinist. But you may look to an uncle or an aunt relationship. And trust me, I've been doing marriage counseling for a while and so I get all the stories, glory to God. I hear all of the situations where it was an uncle and aunt, and I'll never be like that. And we're going through love and respect. And so you definitely, if you come to that, and I encourage you to do that because it is glorious and we have a wonderful time. But in there, you get to hear about all kind of relationships and all kind of situations that people have seen in the past and why it is so hard for us to simply obey what the scriptures teach. But here's what I want to encourage you with. Male chauvinism is not an excuse for disobedience to God's commandment to wives any more than an absentee father or bad example is an excuse for the husband not to lovingly lead his wife and his family. Let me say this again. Male chauvinism, in other words, those treatments that come out of men having this machismo and this chip on their shoulder is not an excuse for, for disobedience to God's command to wives any more than an absentee father or bad examples is an excuse for the husband not to lovingly lead his family. So understand this, we all have hang-ups, we all have history, we all have past, we all have problems, we all have, you know, certain things that are more difficult for us to do. But here's what I want to do, is I pray that every excuse will be disarmed and that you will embrace what the scriptures teach. Because the fact of the matter is, we all have a responsibility, male or female, to reflect and to clearly portray the changed life that God has worked inside of all of our hearts. And so it is important for us that we do not disregard God's commands because of somebody or something that we've seen in the past and we say, man, I can't obey that. Then you are saying you don't trust God. I say it like this. To the degree to which a woman will submit to her husband is a clear reflection of her trust in Christ. Notice the end of the portion of scripture here. He says here in verse 6, he says, As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good, that means if you obey and are not afraid with any terror. The title of the message is Without Fear. Because what God wants from every woman of God who is striving to obey God is that you will walk in faith and believe that if God commanded you to do something, then he has a good reason for it. And not only that, but he is going to walk you through whatever trial, whatever challenge you may be facing and dealing with this particular command to submit. The first thing I ask you to repeat after me is say submission is obedience. 
Let's read in verse 1. It says, wives likewise. Again, likewise connecting the prior thought to the present communications that he'll bring. Wives likewise, the same way that you saw this to, to, to servants and the same way you saw this to your social life then you, or into the governmental sphere. Likewise, be submissive to your own husband. And so it wasn't, this is not something that is an option. Let me say it like this. Submission in marriage is about obedience to Christ. It's not about obedience to husband as much as it is about obedience to Christ. It's about obeying the command and the demand that God puts on our life. In our lives, there are things that are negotiable within any situation. And marriage is no difference. What I mean is this. Well, here's the reality. You can make a choice. There's no set rule that says that the woman has to wash dishes and the man has to take out the garbage. There's no set rule that says that. There's somewhere, some unwritten book somewhere that, you know, some people read, I don't know, or they have some ideology that the man is supposed to take out the garbage and that the woman is supposed to wash dishes. That's just what some people think. Here's the bottom line. The bottom line is the dishes need to be washed and the garbage needs to be taken out. Who does it? That's negotiable. What's not negotiable is these things got to get done. Right? Whoever, the thing is in marriage, there are things that are negotiable. You can negotiate. You can decide, man, I really don't. And in, in, in my marriage, you know, with me and my wife, we have a, a particular agreement. I don't like, you know, I, or I, I like to wash clothing. I, I enjoy that, that particular thing. That's something that I enjoy doing. I don't even know why, but, you know, I just have a particular way. I, you know, it's just a certain way that I, you know, that I, that I do things when it comes to washing clothes. But that's just it. She doesn't necessarily enjoy that. And so I wash the clothes. I take care of that area. And so I, I don't cook. Hello, somebody. It's to, it's to her benefit that I have chosen to give her that, that we have negotiated this way, because if not, she'll be hurt, glory to God. We've been eating out a lot. And so the point of the matter is that there's certain things we can negotiate. Here is, here is what you got to get. What you've got to understand is that submission is non-negotiable and is the heart of any woman who truly desires to worship God. Understand, please, submission to your spouse is not negotiable. This is not something that God said, okay, if you want to submit, submit. That isn't what God said. God clearly says, wives, likewise. The same way that the command applies to these other areas, you walk in submission. Remember, going back to the definition last week, it is a voluntary, right? Remember that? It is a voluntary giving in. It is cooperation. It is you taking responsibility. It is you carrying the burden, right? It is you partnering with your spouse, when we look at women in submission, a lot of times women have issues with submitting because they see it as some kind of weaker or inferior position within the marriage. And, I, and as I was talking to someone, um, I, was, I was sharing with a brother, and as we were talking, I was sitting down and I said, you know, when you look at people who are working out in the gym or whatever the case may be, um, the people that are, are, are more important or, or that I would consider to be the most important in a per, when, when a person is laying flat on a bench is the person who's doing the spotting. Not as, they need to make sure the person doing the spotting is stronger than, or, or strong enough to carry the weight because if not, they're going to have a problem. See, Rafael Rivera is over there, and I got to tell this story. Some of y'all have heard this, but... For those of you that haven't, one time we were in my garage, and it was Raphael, it was myself and someone else, and we were in there, and we were deciding we were going to have a He-Man contest, and we were going to see who could bench press the most. And so we're in the garage, and we're bench pressing, and we're lifting these weights, and, you know, we get up to a certain amount of weight, and, you know, and, and, I'm, and I'm, like, impressed because, you know, Raphael, he doesn't lift weights at all, and he's hanging, and I'm like, man. And so we put a, per a particular amount of weight up there, and he's like, dude, 
I don't know if I can do that. I said, come on, man, you got this, you got this. So he goes, he gets under there, pushes it up. I'm like, all right, man, let's put on the next one. He's like, man, hold on a second, I don't know. And so I said, bro, you got this one. So he lays down there, and he trusts me as his spotter. And so I picked the weight up. I can, it's not an issue of me carrying the weight, okay, because I got the weight up. I picked it up, and I said, you ready? And he said, I'm ready. And I said, okay. And he's like, yeah. And so I said, all right, I let go. As soon as I let go of the weight, the weight went boom and hit his chest. So I started laughing because the person in the garage with me was like, and so, you know, sometimes you can be serious until someone else gets crazy, right? And so this person started laughing. Here's the thing. I, I was able to hold the weight from crushing his chest, but I wasn't able to pick the weight up because what? At that moment, I was too weak to do it. I wasn't taking seriously my responsibility as a spotter. Now listen, applying this to marriage, your husband doesn't need you laughing at him, glory to God. And can I say what laughing looks like? I told you so. I told you it was going to turn out like that. See, that doesn't sound like you're laughing, but you are mocking him. Rather than taking seriously what is going on, rather than embracing the responsibility. See, because as a woman, God has given you the strength to bear the burden with him. To bear the, and what I've learned, you know, in, 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 in those type of situations, usually the spotter in most cases is not carrying all the weight anyway. They're working together to get the weight up. And what is the purpose? The purpose is so that way the person who is laying down on the bench can become stronger. That's why you need a good spotter, because they need to know, okay, this is as much as they can handle, and that's going to push them to the next level, or that person can be a jerk, right, and can back up and say, whatever, you on your own. Figure it out on your own. You don't want to do that. You want to understand that God has given you the ability to come, and he's called you and commanded you and said, listen, you and your spouse need to be on mission together. Carrying the weight and the burdens of life together. Carrying the weight and burdens of the home together. Carrying the weight and burdens of all of the things that are going on together. It is not solely his responsibility. He is the one that is called to lead. But you are called there to be that helper. And that's when we thought about the when, when, I, when I got this whole picture in my head of spotting. It was because when God created Adam and Eve in the garden, he created Adam a helper. Someone who was going to be able to come beside him and help him carry this load that is what submission looks like in a real and in, 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 in a vivid way for us to be able to see this is what God is calling us to he's not calling you just to lift your hand and say well you got it you do whatever you want to do no that is not what God is saying God is saying he wants you to be part of this God never and I said this earlier and I'll repeat it again God never gives us a command to do something or not do something that is not for our good and for his glory when God commands a wife to submission in marriage, what he is saying is, I have something good in store for you. I have, some, I have a good plan for you. I have a good thing that I want, to ex, or I want you to experience. And listen, sometimes you're like, yeah, Bishop, but I'm waiting for that good thing. Hello? Right? I've been trying to do this. I've, I'm struggling. And that's okay. But here is the point. Will you trust Jesus? Will you trust his leadership? Will you trust him? Because if you will, then you'll submit. If you won't, then you will not. Second thing, repeat this after me. Submission 
is opportunity. Submission in marriage is an opportunity for the gospel. Submission in marriage is an opportunity for the gospel. Keep reading from verse 1. He says, wives likewise be submissive to your own husbands. And he goes on to say that even if some do not obey the word, they without a word may be won by the conduct of their wives when they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. And so he says here, when you're looking at this context and you're looking at this person that is being depicted here, Peter is speaking in context to wives who are married to unsaved men. He is saying here, when when, when he says here, he says, for even if some do not obey the word, what that literally means is those who will not allow themselves to be persuaded. Are you hearing me? He's saying to you women who are married to men who don't serve Jesus. Or to you women that may have a man in your house who says he serves Jesus, but he doesn't. Hello? Because here's the thing. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you said. It's about what you lived. And so you may be with a person who may come to church every week or maybe not go to church every week, and they may say, well, I'm a Christian, but their life does not reflect that. So then he's talking to you directly. And he's saying, for you wives who have this situation, you have a person that is in your life that is unwilling to to, to be converted, who is unwilling, who is rejecting. Now, let me point something out to you. He is not condoning, because some people will take this, well, then does that condone a a non-believer being married with a believer? Does that condone a, a relationship like that? No, that is not what he's saying here. You have to understand, when Peter is writing this, these women are those who have given their life to Jesus, who when they, they were not walking with Christ together when they got married, and when they, when they gave their life to the Lord, their husband didn't. So they're in that situation. So get that out of your mind, because that is not what God is saying. God is not saying, okay, go ahead and be missional in your dating. Let me say it again, because some of y'all missed that. God is not saying, go ahead and be missional in your dating. What do I mean? For those of you that are single, you feel like, well, he's a good guy. You know, and and I'm speaking to women, so I'm going to speak to the women on this. He's a good guy. He's cute. He's got good characteristics, and he can be a Christian someday. Nope, that's the wrong way to look at it. Because let me tell you what he will do. I want you to get this, because this has happened numerous, numerous times. He wants you, so he comes to church for you. He goes to church with you every week until you guys get married, and then he stops going to church. And you're like, what happened? I'm good. Why? Because he didn't want Jesus. He wanted you. The point is, you need to make sure that your list of I wants and I desires, top of it, Christian. In parentheses, make sure they bear fruit. They don't just declare it. Glory to God. Make sure they're going to church before you meet them. Hello? I think that's a good criteria, wouldn't you say? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. He's not communicating and saying, hey, man, go ahead and marry whoever you want to marry. No, the apostle Paul makes it clearly darkness or, no, Paul. Thank you. I appreciate that. I thank you that you got my back. But Paul declares in 1 Corinthians, I think chapter 6 or 2 Corinthians chapter 6, glory to God. He declares clearly light has nothing to do with darkness. Amen. He says you should not be unequally yoked. He is speaking about relationship. 
Someone is always going to be leading someone. And so here he's saying, you wives that have committed your life to Jesus, you wives that have committed your life to the Lord, this is what you need to get. You need to go on ahead and submit to your husband. Here's what I want you to understand. There is no greater miracle than the conversion of a soul. Y'all ain't saying amen. uh, Hold on a second. There is no greater miracle than the conversion of a soul. When someone comes to Jesus, that is the greatest miracle on the planet. That is the greatest miracle that will ever take place. And what Peter is saying here is he is saying, listen, wives, walk in submission. Because if you have one of those husbands that is not converted, that is not a Christian, that does not want to obey the word, that is not seeking to do what God commands him to do, and you are in a position where you feel vulnerable, I want you to submit because it is an opportunity for the gospel. Thank you. I want you to submit because it is an opportunity for the gospel to be manifested. All of our obedience, especially in the area of submission, if you think about this, governmental submission, remember talked about that? So you would silence foolish people. When you submit to those in the workplace, it is so that way you will be able to witness to them. Wives, he's asking to submit so that way their husbands can be converted. All of our witness. When it comes to the area of submission, directly ties in with the gospel. It directly ties in with souls being saved. It directly ties in with people's life being changed and transformed. I read this quote, and I thought that it was an amazing quote, and it says this. It says, unspoken acting is more powerful than unperformed speaking. Let me say it again. Unspoken acting is more powerful than unperformed speaking. So here's what he's saying. The quote is saying this, the most powerful testimony that you as a woman of God is going to have is not you preaching at your husband, but being that living message before your husband. Because you can preach and preach and preach to him, and then, you know what, I'll tell you what will happen. Because of your frustration, because he doesn't want to convert, you will abandon the testimony, hello, and you will contradict what you are preaching to him. So instead, what do you do? Live righteously before him. Remind yourself, I am on mission within my marriage. It is when you submit that you display your clear trust in the Lord. That is when we get out of God's way and the Holy Spirit can convict of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. And it is not saying here that that, that, that the husband doesn't need to know the gospel. That's not what God is saying. Because you cannot be converted without hearing the gospel. What he is saying is this, is that you don't have to preach to him. You need to live before him and do that in a submissive way. And so what is he saying is is so imperative here. Look at verse 2. It says, what is he going to observe? It is that he is going to observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. In another translation, it says your chaste conduct and respectful behavior. Your chaste conduct and respectful behavior. For those of you that are going through love and respect, you do realize that the main need of your husband is the respect. It is that is why God has communicated that. That does something to his heart when you let him know that you honor him, you respect him. It does something to him. It creates some kind of satisfaction in him the same way that when he gives you flowers and he loves on you and he demonstrates those affections that you need, it does the same thing to him. You got to get that stuff. Amen. Important for us to understand that. 
When we look at this scripture, he says what the husband is going to see, this is what he's going to see in you when you decide that you're going to be quiet and you're going to let the Holy Spirit work on him. He is going to see chaste conduct. What is that? That is pure, holy, separated conduct. That is living a life that demonstrates the character of Jesus Christ. That is living a life that shows that I am no longer the same person that I used to be. That is living a life that demonstrates that I no longer enjoy the things that I used to enjoy. We may, before, we may have gone to clubs together. I don't want to do that. I want to love you. I want to serve you. I want to submit to you. But I don't, I, I don't want to do those things any longer. It is those opportunities there that you are able to show that chaste conduct. There may be programs or certain activities that you used to partake in together and you, and you no longer desire to do that. And it's not because you're trying to be holier than thou, but it's because God has truly changed your life. And so he sees chaste conduct, but then he also sees something else in you. He sees that there is a respectful, there is a reverence, there is a fear of God. And that's what he's talking about here. It is that he will see that you truly, truly fear Christ. That you truly fear God and that you truly revere him. And that is what is going to bring him to the saving knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. The third thing I ask you to repeat after me is say submission is true adornment. Submission in marriage is the true adornment of the woman of God. He goes on to say in verse 3, he says, Do not let your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, wearing gold, or putting on fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. For in this manner, in the former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husband, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. It is not the condemnation. I want to point this out. You see the first verse there, or, in, or the first portion of verses that we read in verse 3? says, do not let your adornment be merely outward. So a lot of times, people will take this stuff out of context, and they're saying, oh, well, then those scriptures there, it talks about fixing your hair, it talks about wearing gold, it talks about putting on fine apparel, and other, in other words, putting on expensive clothing, right? Isn't that what the scripture is saying here? So that means that anybody who fixes their hair, that means that anybody who puts on any kind of jewelry, that includes wedding rings, hello, that means anybody who puts on expensive clothing, you in sin. That's what that means? Y'all are like, I hope not. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> Listen, he is not condemning all of this stuff. You got to understand in context what Paul is, I mean, what Peter is talking about here. Peter, these, these women back in those days, they used to have hair contests. Understand this. They used to have hair contests. They used to get their hair to stand as high as they could get it to stand, and they would put all of these gold things all up in their hair, and it was like they would walk in the room, and they would gain notoriety, and they would gain position in society because of their hairdo. Their identity was based on something external. 
Their identity was based on something that was going on, you know, on the outside. And the gold jewelry, they were wearing some gaudy, just, I mean, they're they making Mr. T look like he ain't wearing nothing, glory to God. I mean, they, that, that, that's how they were, you know, just, cra- just crazy, wearing just outlandish stuff. And then the clothing, the same thing. They were wearing expensive clothes because all of these things gave them their identity in society because they were known because they had this hairdo, because they were known because of the jewelry that they wore. They were known because of the expensive clothing because everybody realized, man, that's not something that, you know, in, in, in our days, that ain't something you bought at Target, hello? That, 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 that's not something that, you know, you, you bought and just, that's, that's different, right? And so people, or, or the women in particular, were living out of that. And so what Peter is saying, he's saying, listen, don't let your adornment don't let your adornment, that word adornment comes from the word cosmos, and it has to deal with, you know, the setting and order of all of the stars and everything in the sky. And he's saying, don't let your adornment, don't let yourself being put together be based solely on the exterior. Here's what it is. It is not the condemnation of external cosmetic care, but it is the neglect of internal character cultivation that is the issue. He's saying you can, you, these women spend hours getting their hair done and they don't spend an hour in prayer. These women spend all kind of money getting their jewelry right and all of this kind of stuff, but they are not willing to give their lives to experience the full blessing and benefit of knowing Christ. These women in this situation, they're so worried about wearing the latest, they're so worried about being up to date. They're so worried about all of these externals. They're so worried about all of that that they neglect the internal beauty that matters more than anything else. They neglect the development of that character, that quiet glory to God, that, 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 that humble, that meek spirit. That see, it, 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 It's those things that, that Peter is condemning. He's saying, listen, don't be looking ugly around your husband. Don't be looking crazy when you walk out. Now you're a Christian. You can't shave. You can't cut your hair. You can't go to the park. You know, you can't get your nails done. He, he's not saying that, glory to God. Let me, let, let, let's me let clarify some things here. What he is saying, as a matter of fact, he says, don't let this merely be. He's saying, he's saying you can do that. I, I like what one guy said. He said, we are not of this world, but we shouldn't look like we're from another planet. Hello, somebody. And so, ultimately, God doesn't want us to be looking busted, glory to God. God wants us to dress in a manner that brings honor and glory to him. And we can stay in fashion, and we can go ahead, and you know, not me, I just shaved my head, but you know, for you ladies, glory to God, you can go ahead, get your hair done, make yourself look nice, but don't let that be the end. Don't let that be what you depend on. Because in context, he's saying, listen, you're not going to impress your husband by how high your hair is. You're not going to impress your husband by how much jewelry you got on. You're not going to impress your husband by how beautiful of a dress you're wearing. You are going to impress your husband and draw him to Christ when you are not majoring on those things, but you are majoring upon the inner beauty, that imperishable beauty, that thing that is going on inside that does not fade away, that beauty that as the years go on becomes more radiant and more more reflective of the character of Christ and even when things start sagging because gravity gets the best of you he still loves you because he sees the radiance and glory and beauty of Jesus hallelujah 
I know some of y'all just think it's going to stay strong forever. It's not. I don't care what potion, lotion you use. It does not matter. The gravity is going to win the fight at some point. And if not, then they're going to pull your face like that. You're going to be looking even crazier, glory to God. Gravity in a different direction. You know what I'm talking about? And so ultimately, <laughs> hallelujah. You see people, and anyway, I, I, I'm not even going to go there. But look, the bottom line is he is saying develop, develop, cultivate that imperishable beauty. He says in verse 4, rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is very precious in the sight of God. And if it's precious in the sight of Jesus... It's going to be precious in the sight of your husband. He, he communicates these words, and he says, Wives must allow their identity in Christ to become their true adornment. See, then, you know, you, you, you won't have to be so concerned with all of these other things. Because the beauty is coming from the inside of you. And that's what's going to change him. Because you probably dressed nice before you met Jesus. Hello. You're probably looking right then. But now, he's saying, let this be the thing of your heart. Jesus, I, I love the way that the ending of verse 4 says this. He says, which is very precious in the sight of God. Something that is very precious. Something that is of great value is what that word means. Something that is of great value to God. Something that is, is very much usable. And what this points us to, this points us to the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. This points us to the gospel. This points us to the fact that we were, look, as pretty as we look on the outside, we were dead on the inside. As much as we looked like we were living on the outside, we were going to hell because, like I said last week, we are criminals. We are breakers of the law of God. And so what happens is Jesus pays this price so that way we do not have to die and experience hell, but that we can now have eternal life and have a relationship with Jesus, and we can come into this experience with him, but it is based on the sacrifice. And here he tells these women that this quiet and gentle spirit is of great value. Why? Because the Father, through the Son, paid the price for you to have that work in your life through the Spirit of God. He paid the price for you to do this. And so what he's simply saying is, he's saying, I paid the price for this. Let it be manifested in you. We look at those two words, and I want us to look at them, and one of them has got a real lengthy, real lengthy definition. The other one is like one, one other word. But the first one he says there, he says gentle. That word gentle is the same word, and it's used like five times in the entire New Testament, and it is the word meek. And you remember in the book of Matthew, <clears throat> chapter 11, verse 29, Jesus makes an invitation in verse 28 and 29. He says, come unto me, all you who are heavy laden and burdened, he says, and, and, and find rest in me. And then he tells them, he said, and learn from me, because I am meek and lowly. And it is that word meek that, that is used here for this word gentle. I'm gentle. I'm meek. And so really what we're saying is the, the beauty that manifests is what? It's Jesus. It's the character of Christ. But when we look at this word meek, it's, it's got a pretty lengthy definition. And it, and it is this. It is the word. It means mildness of disposition, gentleness of spirit. It means meekness. And so you would be like, okay, I get that. But I want you to understand when they break this word down what it really means to be a person who is, who is operating in meekness. Meekness toward God is that disposition of spirit in which we accept his dealings with us as good and therefore without disputing or resisting. 
And so when you are truly a person who is meek, you accept that no matter what is going on in your life, God is still good, and I'm not going to resist him. I'm not going to argue with him. I may have my moments, but I'm not going to be given to that. In the Old Testament, the meek are those who wholly relying on God rather than their own strength to, they wholly rely on God rather than their own strength to defend themselves against injustice. The reason why this applies is because I said this before and I'll say it again toward the latter part of this point. But the fact is, when you are in, in a position where things are unfair and things are difficult, you will either fight or you will flee. You are either going to buck the system or you're going to run away. It is going to be one or the other. And so what happens is when we understand God as being good and we understand him as being in control, we submit ourselves depending on him to do what? Defend us. Depending on him to deal with us in our lives. And we'll point that out when we look at the life of Sarah in a moment. It means thus meekness towards evil people means knowing God. Listen, this is amazing. It means knowing God is permitting the injuries they inflict. I'm not talking about abuse, but the hardships. And that he is using them to purify his elect and that he will deliver his elect in his time. When you have that heart of meekness, you understand God is permitting whatever it is that you are going through for a reason. Reason number one is right here. So that way he can develop you. So he can purify you. And here is the bottom line. The bottom line is that he will be glorified in this situation. And in due time, he will deliver you. But if you don't walk in meekness, you try to deliver yourself. The definition goes on though. Gentleness or meekness is the opposite of self-assertiveness and self-interest. It stems from trust in God's goodness and control over the situation. The gentle person is not occupied with self at all. This is a work of the Holy Spirit, not of the human will. No one of us in this place can walk in meekness consistently. We may be quiet for a moment. But if it is not something that the Spirit of God is doing within us, we will explode in a moment as well. The next word he says is the word quiet, and that one is simple. That is a word tranquil in spirit. One of the things that we learn is that most women are expressive responsive. Most of the ladies in here would agree. You, you know, you get emotional, right? Things happen, and, and you know, you, you have those emotional moments. doesn't mean that men are not expressive responsive. I am expressive responsive plus explosive responsive. Hello. Right? That's just, I'm just letting y'all know. This, this is what I, what, I, what I pray for me. Hallelujah. Ultimately, what he's saying is, you as a woman are going to be expressive responsive. That's how you're going to be. But it doesn't mean you have to be explosive responsive. It doesn't mean you need to blow up on your husband, you know, whenever situations just don't go the way that you want them to go. It doesn't mean that you, no, it means that you need to let the Holy Spirit deal with you so that way you can walk in meekness. Because if you can't walk in meekness, you cannot walk in submission. And if you don't have that quiet spirit, it doesn't, listen, notice he said quiet spirit, not quiet mouth. Hello. Some of y'all get it twisted. He didn't say that you just shut up and walk around like a mummy or something like that and just, you know, don't say anything. That, that isn't what he's saying. He is saying that you have a humble spirit, that you have a quiet spirit, that you are tranquil, that you are not explosive and going off. And listen, if you are, look, there's room at the cross for your repentance. Jesus wants you to repent, and he wants you to walk in his grace so you can become this daughter of Sarah that he communicates about. 
He goes on to say in verse, in, in verse 5, he says, For in this manner in the former times, the holy women who trusted in God also adorned themselves, being submissive to their own husbands. And so the rejection is this, is that, yeah, this is former times. This is back in the day. That's not today. Listen, God wants you to become like this woman. Wants you to become like these women of old that understood the value of walking in submission. The value of voluntarily giving in. It doesn't mean that you don't deal with things. It doesn't mean that you don't communicate. It doesn't mean that you don't have an opinion. It doesn't mean that you should not be um, involved in decision-making in your home. That is a product of chauvinism, and trust me, I'm going to talk to your husband tomorrow. I mean next week. We're going to have a good conversation next week, okay? So just, just, just pray all week long for me and for them. Glory to God. Pray that they don't get sick. Hallelujah. They don't wake up with something going on in their life. Amen. That hinders them from coming to church next week. But ultimately, you being able to say, God, I trust you in this. I believe that you are going to walk me through whatever this process is, and I am going to embrace what these women did. This is the way that they adorned themselves. This is the way they got dressed up. This is the way that they drew their husbands unto them. This is the way that they did that. And I can tell you this, that if we had more wives who did those things, we would have some husbands who were drawn and delivered from their ways of being as well. Because women don't realize the power that you have over your husband. And I don't say that to be manipulative because, please, manipulation is wrong. Hello. But if you are that helper that God has called you to be, you are the greatest inspiration in your husband's life. And I know sometimes you feel like, man, I don't want to inspire him. I want to slap him. I know. I know, glory to God. My wife feels like that sometimes. Hallelujah. She won't admit it, but, you know, glory to God. I know. Sometimes she's going to lay hands on me because, you know, I'm not being the ideal husband. I'm not loving her the way that I should. But you know what? I can tell you this. In those moments that you feel like slapping him, when you let that be expressed, you're not motivating him to do anything godly. You're not helping him to become that man of God. But you know, when you decide that you're going to display that quietness because you're going to submit to the spirit of God and in turn submit to your husband, then what you do is you get out of Jesus' way so the way he can bring conviction upon that man's life. So the way he can bring change. And you know what? I'm going to tell you something. He's going to be a lot more effective in making him the man of God you want than you're going to be. Because the Holy Spirit works amazingly. I was joking with my wife this morning. She said something to me. And I said, babe, I said, there's no vacancy in the Trinity. We already have the Holy Spirit. Amen? I was joking with her. I was, I was just busting her chops. You know, she was saying something to me. And that was, you know, that was our little conversation. But the fact of the matter is, we don't need a Holy Spirit Jr. I know, I know, I know wives, I know some of y'all are like, man, but he don't listen to God. Hold on a second. He doesn't need a Holy Spirit Jr. You know what he needs? He needs a woman who is walking in submission. Listen, this scripture in context, it applies to those who are outside of covenant with God. It applies to those who are unsaved. But let me just give you some practical application. There may be some Christian men that are in your life, in, in, in this place or that are in your, in your life and in your marriage, and they may not be walking according to certain areas in the word of God that they should be. They may, they may not be obeying. These principles apply as well. Walk in submission. Communicate the truth once. Let the Holy Spirit communicate it every other time. Let the Holy Spirit work. Don't take the leadership role. He didn't call you to do that. And if you do that, you get in God's way. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be in God's way. I want God to do what he's going to do. Because I want our marriage, I want our home to, be, to bring glory and honor to him. And so ultimately, 
When a wife is dominated by faith in Christ, she will submit. But when she is driven by fears, she will either fight or she will flee. He says at the end here, he said, these women, he said, as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And listen, I'm not asking you wives to start calling your husband Lords. I know y'all going to leave out of here joking and say, yes, my Lord. I know. I know because y'all got jokes. I know. I know how it's going to be. Hallelujah. It would sound crazy and it really wouldn't be. But you know what? Your behavior, your treatment of your spouse should say, yes, Lord. And not, not, not uppercase, Lord. It's not worship of your husband. It is honor of your husband. It is honor of him. It is making sure that he experiences the honor that Christ wants him to experience and that God is glorified through that. I want you to think about Sarah for a moment because God decides to bring up Sarah into this whole conversation. This woman is loving and caring for her husband. And Sarah is like in two situations where Abraham's like, listen, tell them you're my sister. I don't know if y'all get this, okay? Let me say this real quick. This is before the law was clearly established, and so some folks before the law, they get some passes that today you don't get a pass like that. I wouldn't get a pass if I went into some place and told my wife, listen, tell them you're my sister so they don't kill me. Wouldn't be like that. I should die for her, amen? That's what should happen. But Abraham was like, look, you tell them you're my sister. She goes into the situation, and she, and she obeys her husband. She submits. She doesn't argue. Who comes to her rescue? God Almighty comes to her rescue both times. God Almighty says, I'm not going to leave you by yourself to be abused and misused and mistreated because of your ignorant, foolish husband. I'm not going to do that. He comes to her rescue. One time people get a disease and, you know, it's like it's because of this, it's because of this woman. <clears throat> the other time the king has a dream. It's like, yo, you're messing with a married woman. And so what I'm saying is, ladies... There is no need to fear walking in submission. God has your back. And let me say one other thing. Submission, notice what I just said. This is prior to the law. This is something that, you know, he gets a pass on that. This is not to say that submission means you go against the word of God. You don't sit down. Listen, listen to what I'm saying. You don't sit down. Your husband has a pornography issue. You don't sit down and watch pornography with him so he can get excited. Do you hear what I said? You don't sin against God in, in order to appease him. That's not what submission is saying. On the contrary, you don't do those things and you respect him and you honor him as difficult as it may be. You don't participate in those activities. Those things that he wants to do that do not bring glory to God, that is not submission by you saying you're going to do that. No. That is you disobeying God. So submission, you don't have to be afraid because God is not saying it's a free-for-all. You just do whatever he says. No, if he's telling you to disobey scripture, if he's telling you to disobey the word of God, you don't go against the word of God. Now let me tell you what you may have to go against. And this you're not going to like, but it's just going to have to deal with this. You may have to go against what you feel is God. That's a tough one. Bishop, what do you mean? I pray. I fast. I see God, God speaks to me, absolutely, yes, and amen. He does. But here's the thing. You as a wife have to take the position. If your husband, now, now mind you, this is husband, Christian husband. I'm applying this to the Christian husband, not to the unsaved husband. Christian husband. Christian husband, he feels this. This is the direction that he wants to go in. You as a wife, you have a choice. You can obey what's in your heart. You can obey what you feel, or you can submit to God. And say, you know what, Lord, I trust you, and I trust that you made him the leader of our home, 
and I will follow according to your will. I know that's tough, but that's what submission is, church. Amen? We all stand to our feet and let me pray. And I'll say this in closing. Understanding the gospel liberates us from all fears, enabling us to trust God through everything. When we understand the gospel, it liberates us from all fears, and it enables us to trust God fully, even when we don't feel it, even when we feel like, man, I don't, I don't want to do this. When we understand the gospel, when we understand what the gospel tells us, listen, you and I, hopeless, incapable of doing anything to save ourselves, Jesus did it. He died. God the Son died in our place doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. So if we can trust him for salvation, we should trust him in our daily walk, even in those tough moments. Amen? I want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. And if you're a husband standing next to your wife, I want you to grab her hand at minimum, maybe put your arm around her. And I want you, as I pray, I want you to pray for her. I want you to pray that God would help her to submit to you. I want you to pray that God would help her to trust your leadership. I want you to pray that God would help you to be a godly leader. That he would help you to serve her sacrificially. That he would help you to be the leader that he's called you to be. Hallelujah. Father, right now, God, we come before you in this place. And Lord, I know your word is difficult at times, Lord God, to agree with. Father God, because sometimes our reasoning opposes it, Lord God. Our culture opposes the word of God. Our experiences oppose the word of God. But Lord, you give us commands that are for our good and for your glory. You give us commands that are for your purposes, my God. And so my prayer today is that every woman who has heard this message, Lord God, that she would wholeheartedly submit herself to you, that she would submit her fears and her doubts unto you, and that she would be able to come away from this place trusting you, trusting your leadership, trusting your wisdom, trusting your direction for her marriage, for her husband, and for her life, my God. Father, I pray against the plans of the enemy, Lord God, to usurp the authority, Lord God, that you have given men, Lord God, as leaders of their home. And Lord God, that we as men would not be, Father, tyrants and chauvinists, but that we would be sensitive, loving leaders of our wives and families, God. Father, I pray that every wife would be able to lay down every fear and every doubt. I pray for every single woman in this place, Lord God, that may not have a man, Lord, that may have been scarred by past relationships, Father God, or past situations, or even those who have not been scarred but are are working into relationships, God, that you would give them a heart that is after yours and that they would acknowledge your mandate and that they would begin, Lord God, along with the married women to adorn themselves, Lord God, in that imperishable quietness and meekness of spirit, Lord God. Father, my prayer is that our marriages would reflect you greatly and that your glory would be manifested fully. Lord, 
we thank you for your grace today. We thank you for your purposes that are beyond compare. Holy Spirit, we surrender to you.